We've been looking at the theme the last couple weeks of what it takes to thrive in the city and strategies for thriving in the city. And uh, this comes from some stuff we've been doing with our leadership team in terms of what the strategies are for the church. And one of the things that occurred to me is that the same things that we need as people to make it, or the same things our church needs to do to make it in the city are things that we need as people to survive in the city as we go. So. So we've, we've taken that uh, strategy statement and turned it into a message series. And today, we're gonna talk about the importance of going through the open doors that God sends to us, the importance of open doors. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven. He said, and this is really an instruction on how to pray, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door is open. And so that's, that's the key that we're going to talk about today. And this came to me when I first moved to Jersey City. One of the things you notice when you come to the city from other places is that in the city, everything is locked up and everything is locked down. And even when you're invited to a place, sometimes you're locked out until someone can come down and let you in you can't even get in, and if you lose your keys, forget about it. And then, then shortly, I realized why everything is locked up. On, my, on about my third bike, I realized why, why everything has to be locked up in Jersey City. Everything that's not locked up disappears. Every door that's not locked has a, a little invasion going through it. And, and so, so that's just the way of life here. You know, I used to live out, out in the leafy suburbs. Scott Copen was one of my deacons back there. Good to see you, Scott. Glad you uh, made the trip in today. But in, in the suburbs, I had one key on my keychain. It was just the key fob for my car. I didn't need any other keys so I could get into my office. I could get into my house by other means. And then I moved to Jersey City, and little by little, I collected things until I had this. And the only good thing about this is, you know, it's kind of a pain to carry around, but I need all these keys for various things. But the good thing about it is it doubles as a weapon. If I'm ever attacked, you know, just watch out. So. So that's, that's how, how city life is, is for us. The reality of city life is you need to have your keys or you're gonna be locked out. You need to have friends to open your doors, op open the door for you. You're not gonna be able to get into the places you wanna, you wanna be. And if you can't, if you don't have a way to open the doors or you don't have a friend who will open doors for you, then you're just locked out. Have you ever experienced the feeling of being locked out, of being excluded like there was something you wanted to get into and they just wouldn't let you in. Now, of course, there's the literal doors and gates that we get locked out of, but all of life is walking through doors, metaphorical, physical, relational, and personal of all different types of sorts. You know, think of your professional life. As you progress in your professional life, if you're gonna go anywhere in your professional life, it's gonna be partially because people open doors for you. And everybody who's made it in their professional life has made it because people have opened doors for them. And it's the same in your social life. If you're going to have friends and you're going to have a new group of friends, it's going to be because somebody opens the door to a new circle of friends. Someone invites you into a new, a new group of friends. And it's the same with our family life. You know, have you ever gone through a, a time when someone invited you into a new family and you became a part of a family because someone opened the door and said, 
come on in. You can be a part of us. I think all of us, on the other hand, have known the feeling of being shut out, of being excluded, of saying, you know, I'd really like to be a part of that group, but I'm not invited. I'd really like to be a part of that company, but they didn't hire me. I'd really wish I could be, be friends with that group of people, but they don't seem to know who I am. And, and that can be one of the hardest things to go through in life. And sometimes if we look around, we can find the key to get ourselves in there. Sometimes someone opens up the door for us and invites us in. And, but I think the thing that's common for all of us and everybody I talk to, if, we're, if we look at our lives and we're honest about ourselves, one of the things you notice is that everything you've accomplished in life, every opportunity you've had in life, has happened partially because somebody has opened a door for you. Maybe your parents were able to open your door for you. Maybe you had a teacher or a professor who could open doors for you, a friend who could open doors for you, or, or a, a work associate who could open doors for you and take you to the next level. All of us are dependent on other people to open doors and, and really don't understand yourself and your situation unless you understand how it was or who it was who opened those doors, who let you in, and who included you in these various communities. I think every opportunity we have can be traced back to a meeting, to a relationship, to a favor, to someone who said to us, hey, I can open that door for you. Just, uh, just let me get back to you on that. And I think part of self-awareness, part of being mature and, and aware of our lives is, is growing to a place where we're thankful to other people for the fact that they open doors for us and realize that the only reason we've gotten where we are, the only reason we were included where we are is because certain people along the way came along and opened those doors. Now this idea of an open door, it's actually an extended metaphor in the New Testament. Jesus introduces the idea in Matthew 7. He says, knock and the door will be open to you. But then throughout the New Testament, I think some people heard that message because throughout the New Testament, Paul and, and the other apostles are always talking about doors that open to them and doors that close to them. Now, Presbyterians, I'm a Presbyterian, and, and we, we tend to refer to this as the providence of God, the almighty providence of God that gives us these opportunities and that, that makes a way for us when we need, need it. But the Bible's more focusy than that. The Bible and the, the biblical writers, the apostles, simply talked about doors that were open for them that they walked through. You know, Paul was one of the greatest Christian leaders in the history of the church, Paul the Apostle. Almost single-handedly, he spread the church throughout the Roman Empire in his own lifetime by planting churches in a number of key cities. But as he went along the way, he was deeply aware of the fact that God was opening doors for him. And he went to the places where God opened doors for him. He took the opportunities that God laid out for him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he's giving his update to the church at Corinth, and he says, I'm going to stay at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened for me. So he has a thriving ministry there in Ephesus, the church is growing, a lot of good things are happening, but he realizes he has all that because God has opened a door for him, because God has given him that opportunity. And when we're thriving, when things are going well for us, it's because God has opened doors for us, and we need to be aware of that. 
I mean, one of the great questions of history is, is why was it in the first century that the church spread throughout the whole Roman Empire? You know, the church was started by a couple of unschooled, ordinary men who were based in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was a backwater of the Roman Empire in the first century. It was, wasn't like a key city or anything like that, but, but these guys were basically chased all through the Roman Empire, and as they went, they planted churches. As they went, they, they shared their message. As they went, the church spread throughout this Roman Empire, throughout the empire, and, and in all these places where you wouldn't have thought that it was going to be able to survive. There's a lot of reasons for that. The Holy Spirit was with them, of course. They had a message that was compelling that people had to listen to, the message that Jesus rose from the dead and that he was the Messiah. But another reason that the apostles are well aware of is God opened doors for us. God gave us opportunities. God introduced us to people and brought us to places where our, our ministry could succeed, where our ministry could be prosperous. And you know, when I came to Jersey City a couple years ago, one of the things I was very well aware of is that unless God opened doors for me, there wasn't going to be a church here. We weren't going to be able to do this. Like I say, one of the first things I noticed when I got here was how secure everything is, how every door is, is locked up, and how you can't get into places unless you're invited. But then, little by little, as, as we worked away, as we chipped away here, uh, God opened doors. And you know, I, met, I met Brother Lester, I met Harris and Nathan, I met uh, Debbie and Brian, I met Yahir back here, and, and you know, everything started to come together. And then I met Devante, and, and I said, okay, this is, we're good now. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's amazing how that happens, but, but little by little, God opens doors for us, and, and, you know, even for us to be in the school is a, is a funny little story I could tell you sometime privately, but, but it's, a, it's a story of God just opening a door. And, and, and sometimes we think these things are random, but a follower of of Christ says none of this is random. This is God's provision. This is God's work in our midst. This is God opening doors for us. So if you want to look at your life, understand your life, ask yourself what doors have been opened to get me where I am and what doors do I need to have opened for me to go to the next level. As Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened unto you. All of our success is dependent on God opening doors. But sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes life is frustrating. Any of you a little frustrated with something in life right now? I think it happens from time to time where you feel yourself dead or trapped or in a dead-end situation. Even then, I think that's an opportunity to look to God and ask God, where are you going to open a door for me? Or as someone said, God never shuts a door unless he opens a window. Have you ever heard that one before? But uh, a lot of times we find ourselves frustrated, but that's because God wants us to move. You know, because if you weren't frustrated, maybe you just stay in that dead-end job indefinitely. If you weren't frustrated, maybe you content yourself with, with the deadbeat friends for too long. But it's, it's the frustration, sometimes the difficulty, that moves us to discover a new open door. That's also the story of the apostles. In Acts 16, Paul talks about traveling and wanting to go to Asia. In Acts 16, he says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Perga and Galatia, and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So, so they're traveling around, they're trying to get to Asia, but they can't get there. And he says, it's the Holy Spirit that's closing that door. 
And then during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul saw the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul had a plan. He wanted to go to Asia to, uh, to preach the gospel, to start churches, and he got frustrated. And you know, whenever our plan plans get, get frustrated like that, it's, it's not pleasant, right? And any of you ever had that where you had great plans and they just weren't working out? And so what Paul, Paul does, he, he has this vision from the, of the man of Macedonia and he obeys the vision and he goes down and ends up in Philippi. If you're familiar with the New Testament, he planted a church in Philippi, which ended up being one of his most fruitful ministries. He wrote the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi, and it and turns out that that was one of the places he loved the most. But he only went there because God closed one door and then pushed him through another door. And sometimes in our own lives, we find ourselves in frustration. You find yourself unhappy with your work situation. You find yourself unhappy with your living situation. You had something you really wanted, and it turns out it's just not going to work out. A door closes, but that's God's way of making you look up and look around and discover a place where a door is going to open. Like I say, God never closes doors for us without opening a window or opening another door. And he uses that frustration and that difficulty to move us to test other doors, to test other directions. Because, you know, if it wasn't for the frustration in our life, if it wasn't for the difficulty in our life, most of us would probably just stay where we are. But God wants to keep us moving. So he frustrates us, he makes us uncomfortable, and makes us move on to the next thing. But part of, this is where living by faith comes in. If you believe that God's hand is over all things, if you believe in the providence of God, you see your frustration as God's way of telling you, okay, it's time to start looking. And then you see new opportunities as God's way of telling you, okay, try this out, check this out, see how this works. That's what living by faith is is you, you can accept the circumstances, the bad circumstances, the uncomfortable circumstances as inspirations to move in a different direction and then open doors as opportunities from God to, to discover something new. So if you're frustrated in your spot, perhaps it's just God's way of closing one door so that you can experience something new by going in a different direction. But having said all that, I know that there's another situation that sometimes we find ourselves in. All of us will find ourselves in it at some point. And that's when it's not just a frustrating situation where you want to go to Asia and end up in Macedonia, but it's, it's a hopeless situation where you've got less than 24 hours to live. And you don't know how you're going to be able to make it because it doesn't seem like anything good can happen. Have you ever been in a situation where it seemed like there was no upside? or it seemed like there was absolutely nothing good that could come out of the disaster that was happening around you. I know I sure have. It happens, it happens to all of us at some point or another. Peter the Apostle found himself in a circumstance like this. In Acts chapter 12, what it says happened is that, that Herod went ahead and killed James. And James, one, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, he got, he got executed by Herod. And it says when Herod saw that this pleased people, he said, you know what, let me go take Peter for next week as my little uh, campaign promotion. So he arrests Peter. He has Peter locked up in, 
in uh, maximum security. And let me read the story here. It's uh, Acts chapter 12. It says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So Peter was a VIP here. He had two soldiers chained to him, plus a guard at the entrance to the, to the, to the prison. And the schedule for the next morning was trial in the morning and uh, execution at noon, and that was going to be it. You know, that was part of Herod's, uh, Herod's PR campaign. But then suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell and struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes, put on your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. Now imagine how hopeless and how helpless Peter must have felt. He was chained in that prison. He knew there was going to be a trial in the morning. There was going to be an execution in the afternoon. And, but he wasn't too worried about it because he fell asleep anyway. So, you know, <laughs> I think he'd sleep here last night. But P Peter fell asleep. And then an angel had to come and wake him up and say, hey, look, your chains fell off your wrist. And now the door is open to you. And make your way out of it. And so what this story tells us is we all have those moments. You will have those moments where you feel like, Okay, I've got 18 hours to live now, so what am I going to do? I guess I'll take a nap. But uh, when you find yourself in those moments, it says that God can open the door. God sent Peter, the angel, to unshackle his wrist, to open the door, and to send him out. And the key to this is Peter was in this desperate situation, was in this hopeless situation, but somebody had faith. It says, what does the very first line say? The church was earnestly praying to God for him. So they didn't give up on him. Peter decided to take a nap, but the church decided to have a whole all-night prayer vigil. And that's what opened the door. And this is a lesson to us when we find ourselves in hopeless situations, when we find our friends in hopeless situations, to pray for God to open doors to the prisons that people find themselves in so that they can be rescued never give up, to never stop believing that God can open those doors that, to let us out of those prisons and let us out of those hopeless places and get us to the place that we need to be. There's no hopeless situation so long as you're praying and calling out to a God who opens the door. Everyone, to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Prayer and faith help us to keep believing in an impossible situation, keep trusting that God is going to work something out. I don't think that the, the, the early Christians, the friends of Peter, were praying specifically that an angel would come in the middle of the night and wake him up and take off his shackles and, and get him out of there. I, they probably didn't know what to pray for exactly, but God heard their prayer for deliverance and God provided for them in a way that they couldn't imagine. So, so God works even in these situations where it's hopeless. So and I, I say that for those of you who feel like your circumstance is hopeless today, where you don't even see what the solution to your problems might be, to keep praying, to keep waiting, and to keep believing that somehow God is going to open the door and get you out of this hopeless situation if you follow him, if 
you will trust him. And if you will pray to him and get your friends, like Peter was fortunate, he had friends who were earnestly praying to God for him. But, you know, Peter's, Peter's story is a great escape, but there's a greater story of escape. The most hopeless situation happened when Jesus, the supposed Messiah, was executed on a cross and then laid in a tomb. And his professional executioners, the Roman centurions, made sure he was good and dead. And then they put him in, in a tomb. And then they put guards on the tomb. And they rolled a big rock in front of it. And they said, that's it. This story about this, this would-be Messiah is over. He's the king who failed. He's the savior who couldn't even save himself. And so, and, and everybody decided there was no more hope because by definition, a crucified Messiah was a failed Messiah. A Messiah who, who was defeated by the Romans was not somebody who was going to rescue you from the Romans. So everybody gave up on Jesus. Everybody figured it was over. But he had a couple of friends, some nice ladies, who just wanted to go pay their respects three days later. And they, they just wanted to, they had some spices, some burial, burial uh, spices that they wanted to, to put on his remains. And it was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. And they brought these spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, while they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who's going to open the door? Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? We've got these things, but this might not work out. We might not be able to get into the place where they laid it. They'd given up on Jesus being the Messiah. They'd given up on Jesus being the author of life. They'd given up on him being a savior. They just wanted to pay their respects to a deceased friend. But then look what it says. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. What happened? God opened the door. God opened the door. God got Jesus out of there. Not, he didn't open the door so that they could get in. He opened the door so that Jesus could get out. They, he didn't open the door for the sake of Mary Magdalene and Salome because he had a bigger plan. Through opening that door, he finalized the death of death. He began the renewal of all things. And that's the promise of the Christian life. Because, see, our God who rolled the stone away, our God who raised Jesus from the dead, is a God who can take your problems and my problems and can redeem those for his sake and for his glory. That, the God who allowed the Messiah to be crucified so that he could rise again from the dead is a God who's going to maybe allow some painful and difficult things in your life. But if you're walking by faith and if you're living by faith, he's going to take those painful things, he's going to take those difficult things, and he's going to redeem them to accomplish something that's greater and more marvelous than anything you could have imagined by his grace and through his power. Not because you're strong, but because he's the God who can roll the stone away. He's the God who raises the dead. In 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, it says, all these bad things happen to us, Paul says, so that we might no longer trust in ourselves, but we might trust in the God who raises the dead. There's never a greater tragedy, a greater injustice than when Jesus was hung on the cross and died. When the perfect Son of God, the Messiah, was defeated by, by the, the centurions and rejected by his own people. But that tragedy and that miscarriage of justice led to the greatest hope and the greatest restoration and the greatest redemption when Jesus 
rose again from the dead began the restoration of authenticity. So that's the hope of the Christian life. When it seems like all the doors are slammed shut, when it seems like there's no more hope and you can't even get up to try to open those doors, God is going to work in ways that we can't even imagine yet, that we haven't even anticipated. And he's going to accomplish things that we can't, that we can't imagine. Jesus told his followers over and over again that he was going to die and then he was going to rise again. And they, had, they were still completely shocked when it actually happened. They did not pray. They did not faith. But Jesus did it anyways. Because ultimately, it's about his power and his grace. Not even about our faith. Not even about our prayer. They gave up. They accepted the unacceptable. But God opened the door. God made a way in spite of that. So, for those of you who find yourself today in a desperate situation, you find yourself today facing problems that you don't know if there's possibly going to be, if there can possibly be a solution to them, believe in the God who opened the door. Believe in the God who raised Jesus from the dead. Believe in the God who went and got Peter when he was in prison. Believe in the God who is working all things out for the good of those who seek this is the heart of the Christian message. This is the heart of the Christian faith. That God took the worst situation, the most difficult situation, the most painful situation, the most unfair situation, and God turned it upside down and accomplished his glorious purpose through it, through the resurrection of Jesus. God's, that's God's reversing power. It means that there's no tragedy that's final. There's no loss that's permanent. And even the greatest devastation we face in our life can and will be redeemed in ways that we can't imagine because God has a plan that is greater than anything we can conceive. In, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul puts it this way, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead. The story of the resurrection isn't just this, an interesting story of history or a miracle that happened long, long ago. It's a, it's a paradigm for all of us when we face hopeless situations, when we face death, when we face loss, when, when it looks like nothing is going to work out for us to believe again that God is going to work things out God, God is able to take the ashes of our life, take the brokenness of our life, and create something that's greater and more beautiful than we can imagine. And that's what we have to believe for our city. That's what we have to believe for our church. That's what we have to believe for our lives. And if we can believe this, if we can trust, if we can pray, if we can wait and see, I believe that God and his love is going to open the doors for us, and we just need to be faithful like you to get up and walk through. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God that opens doors. And I pray for those who feel trapped right now, for those who feel shut out right now, for those who feel like they're in a hopeless spot right now, that you would be gracious to us. And as we call out to you, as we, as we ask, 
as we seek, as we know, that we would see you open doors in our life, open us up to new opportunities. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.